Thanks for tuning in to the Let's Get Ready Network, the place for coverage of all the things you love. On this feed, we cover movies, TV, video games, and more. If you're interested in supporting the network, you can do so on our Patreon at patreon.com slash LGR underscore network. And please leave a rating and a review of this episode. Enjoy the show, everyone. Good time to start a smoke. Good time to start a smoke. You know why? Because today... We have a guest. Yes. And this guy actually is a teacher. And mm-hmm. I decided to myself that I will never be a teacher. My mom is a teacher. And she said, I was very young, she said. And my and my dad said, too, like, you can do it if you want in your life, Danny. Right. Just don't do the same professions as we do. <laughs> okay, so yeah. that's why even on college... I always stayed away from the academic stuff. Like I, even before I went to film school, I, I passed through philosophy. I could have done philosophy right after I finished high school, but I, I never did because mm-hmm. I knew if I was going to do philosophy, I would have to write books and, and basically teach to survive. And I don't want to do either. So you can be a clerk at the store. Yeah. They can push you to work over there. You can sweep the floor at the philosophy store. It works. And uh, no. I went to video and film yeah. and and uh, as like our guest that went to game design, yes. I uh, it's not a good choice when you live in nope. Brazil. When you live in Brazil, don't do that. <laughs> don't do this kind of stuff. Don't go to games. Don't go to videos. But today, I'm actually going to do a lesson. Oh, why is uh. that? Needs How a 4K, 200, uh, 120 FPS. So it's NARC. Yeah. We're talking about it because we have plans for the channel and stuff. And sure. as far as I know, you have no idea what the resolution is, right? None. What comes off uh, out of, of the bat for you? When we, t- when we talk about resolutions. What co- what's that? What comes out? What well, what comes to your mind? Like when like somebody oh, says, how, how, like how like how it looks, like how. It's... Okay, mm-hmm. basically we have this rectangle right here, right? Oh, hello, Brennan. Hello, Brennan. Uh, hello there. Uh, Our friend. So, so basically, let's pretend this rectangle is a TV screen, is a monitor, is a cell phone screen. Okay, so. Basically, geometry that you learn in, in you know elementary school, every ge- geometry can be the area of, of a, like a rectangle or some stuff can be defined by the amount of lines it has inside of the perimeter. So basically, this rectangle here has a bunch of horizontal lines and a bunch of vertical lines inside of it. Of, of course, I'm drawing like outside of the border but yeah. think everything's inside the, mm-hmm. the rectangle so a, a display has an amount of vertical lines and amount of horizontal lines so right we, we are talking a display that has a full hd resolution which it means is that it has 180 oh my god why is this so small has 180 let me Bigger, Jesus fucking Christ. 
180 horizontal lines and here uh, one, 1920. Uh, okay, I have those numbers. Okay, so you, you have seen these numbers before. Sure. So basically, every intersection of the horizontal vertical lines, if we like zoom in into like this point right here and see, this is an arrow or supposed to be an arrow. Oh boy. Basically, okay. oh boy. You're gonna see a dot or a square that has an RGB value. I hate drawing with my mouse, by the way. So basically, actually, technically it's RGB, why? Why has nothing to do with yellow, it has to do with luminosity. So every little dot or letter of a square, every little intersection of those vertical lines and horizontal lines has what we call the pixel. The pixel, it's like the atom of any digital any image because inside the pixel you have a value for red you have a value for for green you have a value for blue and you have a value for like luminosity like how many how much light there is in the inside the pixel okay and this basically creates the image this basically creates color because they discovered that if you any any combination of red green and blue you can you, you're gonna have any color that exists within the material world. Ooh, okay. There are some, like, if you do, like, some stuff for printing, they actually they don't use RGB. They use C mic. Cyan, cyan, magenta. Yeah. Yellow and case for and black. Yellow. Right. But usually RGB. Okay. So technically, now let's make this a little bit if we yeah more pick more of me so basically if you want to know how many pixels there are in a resolution is just multiply mm -hmm. these values that's how okay. you know how many pixels there are this the the 1920 by 1080 is what we call the full hd hd actually is 1280 to 720 that's right. when the tablet has the high definition image then 1080 at 1920 by 1080 is the full hd and and 4k is uh 3840 by 2160. hold on we got a question we got a question here for you uh yeah. teacher teacher uh mr carvalho we got a question for you it's uh, what's better this or that the if you're doing something that you're gonna print usually when you like hurry in photoshop and you use the color space they use the mic because that's how printers like work like printers that use pant and tent and stuff like that but usually doesn't like generally speaking like we can go too deep into it but i don't want to because i want to have our guest anyway so what why is it 4k because technically 4k is double full hd it's because it's four times hd not full hd a lot of people get confused by that so it's four times bigger four times more resolution than hd double d and then double the the full uh, the full hd and then there is like for conversation sake there is like 2560 by uh, 1440 which some people call like 2K or 2.5K, stuff like this. There are a lot of monitors that use the what we call uh, 1440p 
resolution. Some people think it's the best one for, for games and, and monitors. You know, there's this whole conversation. So you have a PS5, right? You have a That's PS5, right. natively yeah. speaking. And our guest has a lot of arguments against the special incomes to the FPS. But natively speaking, PS5 works uh, with video, with the video on, on the games at 4K resolution and uh, 200, uh, 120, sorry, 120 FPS. Okay. So when you sent to me a monitor that was full HD, I said, don't buy this monitor. Not because the screen is not going to look good. It's because your, your console literally is creating an image in a better resolution, but the screen that you're seeing is in a lower resolution. Yes, yeah, it's going, still going to look good, but wouldn't look as good if you're actually seeing it in the correct resolution. Right. Okay. This you can understand a lot when we use upscale. So I have your image here. And if I get your lovely, your little fold here and I make it smaller, okay, I'm, uh, I'm destroying it. It's not in the right proportion. You can see that actually the photo is still looks good. I, I'm, I'm downsizing it. But if I make your fucking face bigger. Yeah, that's not as good. That's more uh, what it looks like now. And then, and even like, let, let's make it like 500 times. Like you can see that it, it basically gets very pixelated and stuff like this. So sure. the whole pixelated things is because the, the image has an amount of, of pixels and then you're stretching it and you basically don't have more pixels to have create more cards or create more information. That's why the quality of something that is very old or in a lower resolution and then you're watching something big or watching a higher resolution, it looks worse. Can you understand that? Very good. Yep. And, that, and yes, there is the whole debate between the... Uh, how, what is best in terms of then of physical size of like monitor or TV or cell phone regards to resolution? That's what we call the PPI pixels per inch. That's why if you have a big ass TV but you're watching something in a very low resolution, it doesn't look as good because you don't have a lot of pixels for every inch of the screen every inch of right. the screen but the, the opposite doesn't the opposite doesn't apply because if you're having something that has very high quality but you're watching on a smaller screen the definition in general there are other variables inside compression stuff it's gonna it's gonna stay so basically even if you had a tv or a monitor that is footage at the end you're playing with ps5 it's still gonna look good but you're not fully utilizing what you have. That's why I don't want okay. you to buy something that is for your HD for if you're going to play a PS5, because basically you're just wasting your money. And the other side of this conversation, it is basically the FPS or Hertz. When we talk about display, we measure in Hertz, we don't measure in frames per second. Right. You have heard frames per second, right? Uh, sure. So I've heard of it. I have no idea what it is. Basically, in the dawn of cinema like late uh, 1900s 
1800s. Basically, they discover if you take take a photo sequentially and you display it sequentially, you create the illusion of movement. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Cinema was born. You know, that's mm -hmm. how video, one unquote, was oh. born. Uh, teacher, 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 Mr. Carvelio, mm -hmm. there's someone else who wants to prep the class. Hold on a second. I just want to say, hey, my love. I. But does she have, you need to change her surname on the Google account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She goes by Star Carvalho. Anyway, oh, so okay. basically, uh, as uh, movies evolved, the cinemas evolved, we uh, mm -hmm. they decided that for 24 uh, f uh, frames per second is the best way for you to create the illusion of movement. If you right, have right. 24 photos displayed sequentially inside a second, you have this notion of movement. No. And then TV, and then because of how TVs were, were created, you know, due to the radio signal and antennas, actually, things went to 30 for America and a lot of other countries like Brazil. That's the NETSC format. But for Europe and some other countries, they use the PAL format that is actually 25 frames per second. It's just one more than you know yeah. that's why if you watch a british show and sometimes it feels cinematic of course there are a lot of things about like the camera and stuff but it feels more cinematic is because the movement is way closer to the movements of films when you go to the movie theater rather than 30 which has a little bit of a more movement and basically the the the, the best way for us to feel that is when we see things moving very fast as you can see, I'm, I'm moving my hand, and you don't see my hand very clearly because probably this webcam is displaying my hand in 30 frames per second. However, right. if you added more frames in this movement, you could see my hand moving. Of course, I'm doing slower, but in the in the that speed, you would see it clearly. You wouldn't see like the motion blur. You know, right. And 24 is for movies for a lot of reasons, like uh, editing. Like, if you need to add every single fucking frame. Oh, yeah, that was actually was Paul M, not any TSC. Yeah, that, that's correct. Juliana said this in the comments. Yes, that is correct. It's Paul M, but I don't, now I can't remember. In college, I had to memorize, but I don't remember how oh, many. Oh, brother. We actually used. No, no, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and that's why, like, old video games, like, the game actually works differently, like, for consoles. Like, the, the European version, sometimes you, it will run at 25 frames per second, not 30, because of this. You know, because people are going to have TVs on, on Europe that would have, like, 30 FPS, uh, 25 FPS instead of 30 and stuff like that. That's why there was, like, different versions of the same game for different regions that it was sold. Uh Anyway, and so 24 is because uh, of that's the consensus of the best movement for, for movies. It's also the best one, like for animation. You only need to do 25 like draws for each second. If you Oof. need to, like, if Marvel needs to manually put Hulk in a movie, even though, yes, technology can make things way more quicker. So, but let's say that they had need to put Hulk on, on a Marvel film frame by frame. If they had need to do that in a shot of 20 seconds, they have 240 frames instead of 300 frames, you know, 
or 600 frames, stuff like that. And just to finish the conversation, if we go back to the to when monitors were were evolving, we had the CRTs monitors. I think you remember those, like the CRT TVs. Thank you, my love. <laughs> and and the LCD uh, technology came along. So mm-hmm. actually, CRT monitors they work in seven. They would display seventy frames per per second, but that, that's measuring hertz because it's actually the signal, the video signal that go, goes from the computer to the to the monitor. So it's measuring hertz, not measuring frames per second. But it usually would be seventy. But when LCDs came along, most monitors would ship at sixty. That's one of the reasons why Doom, when it was released in ninety three, it ran cat at thirty five, like half of seventy. You know. Because of performance, because of how the engine worked back then, stuff like this. And then, but as technology evolved in the early 2000s, we went to 60 and TVs would go to 60 as well. And then monitors created, and we can talk about this with our, our guest. Yeah. The monitors oh went past 60. But basically, if you see, in generally speaking, if you see something that has more fps and and it is a display that has more hertz the movement the response how your brain sees the image is more fluid that's why the program gamers like people that like play competitive especially fps they went to the they don't even care about resolution they don't care about the the quality of the image they care about the number of fps they care about the response time because Start playing Call of Duty, and mm-hmm. you see your guy moving. If you have more frames per second, the movement of him is clear in a subconscious level, so it's easier. They put a they put a motion blur thing on there, and I just take it off as soon. Exactly, motion blur. And and then and then now and then there's this whole discussion like how much the human eye can really perceive. You know, like I can feel the difference between 60, 90. 120 and 144 because that's the display that I had. But like we have a friend of ours that has 240. There are people that has 360 hertz monitors. Now they just released a 4K 500 hertz. Like there's this whole discussion where the human eye cannot longer like perceive uh, the difference. And this comes for resolution too. That's why we're going to RDR and all other technologies because. We can't make our screens physically bigger. People can have move theaters inside their homes. So at some point, we are not going to notice, like uh, some people said that the 16K is going to be the cap because if you have like a 50-inch TV, uh, you're not going to notice the difference between a 4K film and a 16K film, you know, because basically for you, for your eye, it's going to be the same. Normally, bigger resolutions, you need bigger physical screens to actually notice the difference. So we have kind of, probably in this decade, we're going to reach the the point that those things are not going to matter. People are not going to buy like a 32K TV because it looks exactly the same as the 16K. Now you understand why you need something that is 4K and 120 hertz? I'm just going to get a black and white tube.
to basically say everything that I said is wrong. For the first time in how many years we've been doing the show? Three now? Starting the third. Yeah, we're season three. The bill card is a huge lie that says season two. We are now season three. The first time a second Brazilian enters the show. Yeah, we've been trying to avoid this. He he's been my friend for 18 years, almost two decades now. He has known me since I was 12. We never met actually in person because he lives in the forest uh, south state in Brazil. He lives in Rio Grande do Sul, the big river of the south. Yes. The only place that usually snows more frequently. It depends also or so in the state in Brazil. So and we never had a chance to. Because I get snow too. So welcome to the show, the game designer, one of the also administrators of the VR Dune community, and I'm going mm. to translate his name for English because it looks, it sounds cooler. Julian Kings, welcome to the show. Hey guys. Hello. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Welcome, my friend. And. Hey I chose you because you're one of the few people from from our Doom community that actually speaks English good. They met <laughs> Eric before. Eric oh, was in uh, this My condolences. And it didn't work. Like every three seconds, he was like, uh, 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 and, <laughs> and his accent is way more thicker than mine. So, I was going to say, I think Giuliano sounds better than you, Danny. Oh, yeah. No. Hey, so tell me why I was wrong <laughs> about like, especially the 4K. I think we can debate more, but like towards like the the FPS, the the hearts. You you are a big advocate that games can be enjoyable at 30 uh, FPS normally. Yeah, uh, so I'm not a big fan of this, you know, 120 hertz and above nonsense. Because the difference is negligible, uh, negligible, like you can't yeah. really perceive after uh, sixty FPS, depending on the person. Yeah. And like, okay, some people can perceive, all right, but like, so what? It, it isn't <laughs> like that big a difference to justify mm-hmm. it, you know. And the amount of stress that it puts on the hardware of video game consoles. With this bullshit that you don't need, <laughs> that could go to stuff like you know uh, graphics looking better, uh, areas being bigger, it's just not worth it. It's the same for resolution. Like we're fine at 1080p mostly, in my opinion. And I see people going, you know, 4K. Oh, the next PlayStation has to be 8K, and it's like I said, you, you can't even have like an 8K screen inside of a normal person's house, or unless you live in a hangar or something. Yeah, the 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 whole PPI problem because yes, it, we we are reaching a point that, at least for consumers, the the whole like, the physical screen cannot get bigger. So the per- the because definition like I don't want, want it to get because my explanation was already going very long but definition is a lot of factors with the resolution but also compression ppi yeah. bunch of all, all other stuff the actual physical material of the of the screen 
But yeah, I, I believe that by the end of this decade, most people are going to just have a 4K or 8K like TV or monitor and we're going to just stay there because not going to matter anymore. Maybe 16, like uh, some recesses is going to be 16, but we are not going to pass that. That's why H HDR, VR, you know, holograms, people are more, more interested in that because they think, okay, we basically reached the, the cap. Yeah. Speaking of rep like resolution here, guys, I just have to get my glass. Can't do shit. So. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. So that's another thing. Like having a 4K resolution for games uh, is already like super stressful for mm -hmm. current gen video game consoles. Like the PS5 can't really pull that off. Mm -hmm. And uh, most games are just upscaled, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> So, like, like, what, what's even the point, you know? Yeah, because I remember when, uh, remember doing Eternal, like, by the end of 2020, they had, like, the current gen, because it was released on PS4, Xbox uh, One, right? Initially, and PC, of course. And the Switch, uh, of course, it was way, way later, but I remember they did the whole upgrade, the, the free upgrade for people that were buying the new, the, the current gen consoles. And especially after they added RTX, like they actually on the consoles, you have like performance mode. Like if you want to have RTX on, but, and you want to have like 120 FPS, like actually it's running at the one 800 resolution, like that weird resolution that consoles, work on instead of like 4k or if you want to have rtx on and 4k but you don't you can't have like uh, 120 fps or something right so as you can see uh, you can't even have like everything anyways because you turn on rtx you have to go down on resolution and by the way uh, rtx as we have it in modern consoles is also a lie because there's just no processing power on a PS5, on an Xbox Series X or whatever, the best computer you can buy to really pull that off. I remember when Quake 2 RTX came out. Do you remember that? Yeah. Quake 2 RTX works and like it really truly is RTX, but it's like it's a 1997 game. It's all everything is like squares. So that can be pulled off. The computer can can make the calculations there, but you get a game like oh, I don't know, Mafia One, from two thousand something. Nah, <laughs> you're not getting your text on that. Not so soon, anyway. I thought you were gonna say something like Minecraft that already looks like boxes would probably look pretty good on that. Yeah, my, Minecraft can do it, I guess, because it's yeah. the same reason as Quake. It's like no, it's everything squared. Mm -hmm. But on a game that has curves and modern graphics and such, there's yeah. just no way. I didn't know that actually it's uh it's fake the the consoles are tanks of what actually the Yeah, there's a degree of you know true reflections and all, but it's very simplified. It's not very different from old tricks like having uh, an inverted scenario with a semi-transparent floor or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
you can have true reflections, but it's all simplified. It's not really, you know, true to life reflections per se. Yeah, you're not really mimicking a mirror inside the game. Because yeah. It's a lot of problems, even at the old game when they have like some Doom mods that have like the mirror effect. And you guys are playing like last weekend and you yeah. can see the frame hate going there. Mirrors in games is a whole other topic we can get into if you want later. Because there are many ways to do it, and each one is like worse than the other. <laughs> is that the uh, toughest thing about making games? It's like reflections and stuff like that? shadows. Is that is that pretty difficult to do? Shadows aren't a big issue, I would right. say. Mirrors are. Mirrors are a pain in the ass to make, because okay. you can have like a camera projecting back to a screen, like in I guess it was SWAT. SWAT 4, something like that. It looks awful. If you try to have true reflections with RTX, it, it's just like full of delay. Or you can have a fake room with a duplicate of the player, like in Doom and Duke Nukem 3D. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you, there is no definite way to make it. Well, since you were read into the, the, the how to create games, like uh, let's start from the beginning. Like, I know your story, I was there, like, before you made your choice to go down this path, and we basically, we both knew what our lives were going to be professionally by the time, because yeah. me and, and Juliana, we met when BR Doom was created, like, it was, technically it was created by December 25, uh, but it was, like, 2006 that I entered, it was, like, 26 that he entered, and we have been friends ever since. And Giuliano, you decided you're always a, a game lover. You always loved games. It was one of the biggest things in your life. I remember your Arcut post saying how talking about video games and how it changed your life and your and your comics. But like, so you decided to be a, a game designer, man. Like, what was the like the main reasons for you to go down this path? So I guess I was deluded or something. <laughs> I wanted to work with video games living in Brazil, and that's just not feasible, I guess. Like, okay, it is feasible. Some people do, but it's it, it's a very high uh, barrier to get into this market. Mm -hmm. And I've always had this hyper focus, we could say. Yeah, it was the Lulu, exactly. Because, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, it's it's something I've always enjoyed ever since I was like three or four years old. My first memories uh, are video game related, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I have always been interested in the development side of things, like having level editors in video games was what got me into level design first and foremost. And like we were chatting one of these days about Duke Nukem 3D, which came bundled with the build engine editor. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. But there were other games, like even on the NES, like uh, Mac Rider, where you could design the course. And I would make these like super tough courses for my friends to play, and they would hate me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess that that's it. 
Oh, yeah, it's very similar because for me, like since very young age, like I would always watch like documentaries about filmmaking and stuff. Like my mom can recall me like the old old Disney, the like the old cassettes. They would come up with like black and white documentaries in English, so we even understand that like Walt Disney actually drawing the stuff that he did. So. For me, it was the same thing. Don't know just the movies themselves, but like how to make them. It was very interesting. And a quick note, like when Juliana and I met, there was like this big Doom Mod project that actually even didn't start on Beard. It started on the old Orkut, like the pre-Facebook era. And it then it was the discussion was transferred to Beardium. And that's basically one of the first times, like, because basically it took the design of the game, right? Like, the, one of the first times you actually made a game design, right? So, when you guys are talking about when you're modding the games, so you could take, like, the same characters, you could take all the same guns, you could just create your own levels? Is that what you're doing when you're modding things? Yeah, it's one of the things you can do, like you can create new levels, but you can also switch the enemies around or change their graphics or putting new weapons. I guess the very first Doom mods were Aliens inspired mm -hmm. and Star Wars inspired. Okay. Oh, so they put like Xenomorphs and stuff like that in it? Yeah, and that uh, okay. uh, automatic rifle with that very characteristic uh, machine gun sound. Nice. Yeah, early Doom mods, they could they couldn't add new stuff; they would have had to replace. Like so, yeah. And sometimes they you depending on not alien mod they're talking about, they even really like replace the behavior. They just were replaced like the sprites, the sounds and stuff, the gameplay, like life points, stuff like that would remain the same. And modding, right, Giuliano, is one of a lot of people go to do, to the gaming industry like they start modding, right? Exactly, and because that puts you in the pipeline of creating games one way or another, because you have to learn how to work with file editors and level editors and what a texture is and how it works. So there is a lot of transferable knowledge that you pick up on working on mods that you can later use to work in games development. Is modding something you just picked up on your own, or was there like a program that you got? How did you like first start modding? So for me, it was with Duke Nukem 3D. They had the level editor, which came bundled with the game. Okay. And I remember firing it up, and I was like, oh, what is this? So I dragged a few lines around, and eventually I found out that I was making a level, because I didn't even know that. Uh, my English was even worse than what it is now. So, like, I was it's much better than my Portuguese. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like six or seven years old. I barely knew what I was even doing on the computer, and I remember like building this huge city that wouldn't even work on my computer. Then I made my school because you know. When you're a kid, have like your home as reference. I made my home mm -hmm. in there, then my school, and then I didn't know what else to do. So you I started. Six, you were six or seven years old. Yeah. So I was. 
I started, you know, making random stuff. I don't know. And eventually I find out uh, how to change images inside the game. And so I started, you know, drawing stuff super badly and putting it inside my levels. I remember finding out how to do this for a NASCAR game as well. So I remember uh, changing the cars, like how they looked. So it's very cool. And like when you finally also, decide, oh, I rem I remember Duke Nukem. I remember Duke Nukem, and six or seven year old kids were playing this game. Not only playing the game, yeah, but changing it ever however they wanted it to. Nice, very nice. Yeah, I had Pac Man. I had Pac Man <laughs> and Donkey Kong. I was an unsupervised kid, so I was playing Doom, Duke Nukem okay. 3D, Blood, Shadow Warrior. You know, just healthy stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're you're a little bit older than me, so you actually could experience the dawn of the first person shooters better. Like I was born four months earlier than Doom, but my dad never cared. He, when I was three, he was already like letting me play and stuff. I love that game, love this game today. But it's very interesting that. Like you, Snark, you saw a lot of stuff changing the gaming world, right? Like I told you before, my the very first console I had at my house was Pong. So this would have been 78, 79. I don't remember much. I remember playing it a little bit, and I remember uh, uh, it's just like a it's just a dial. There's a dial, and the thing would go back and forth, and then you'd have to hit the ball and stuff like that. Uh, and then eventually, like all my friends started getting Atari. Atari was the big thing. I didn't get an Atari ever. I got a, uh, I think it was like an emulator kind of thing called the Gemini. Uh, I got that, I think, 1982 or something like that. Then I got a few games. I didn't have too much for Atari games. It's when Nintendo and stuff came around. Sega more. I like the Sega Master System actually better than Nintendo. I'm one of those guys. So we had, we had both. We had both, but I like, I like playing Sega. So, uh, yeah, that's when I really started getting into video games. Well, that and going to arcades and stuff when I was a kid. I loved going to arcades, but those don't really exist anymore either. I think they're starting to make a little retro comeback. But, uh, yeah, like you can't go play Double Dragon at the corner store anymore. That's for sure. That was a big yeah. deal with me growing up. I love that stuff. One of I can my tell you one thing. I was making my house on a computer. I couldn't even make a stick man. We were talked about that before. It took me it took me like three it took me three weeks to get a stick man to walk. Oh yeah, I'm on the coding class, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well we just had it was just called computers back then. <laughs> this would have been nineteen eighty-seven, maybe nineteen eighty-six. Yeah. I was the worst. The worst typer and the worst uh, computer guy in the world. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. I'm a little faster now with typing, but I still look down. When I was three years old, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, my grandma worked at an arcade. So she was in charge of like this uh, slide thing. It, it would pay to slide down and it would end up in the arcade room. <laughs> and I remember her tossing me down there. So I would just slide into the arcade with a bunch of coins. And I would carry like uh, this little wooden step around so I could reach the controls. 
and then I would play stuff like Strider, I guess. Strider, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I remember Strider and Afterburner, and I guess that's the year that Mortal Kombat came out. Oh, I so, remember that. 1992. I remember a game called Pit Fighter that came out. I think maybe came out before that or whatever. But yeah, Mortal Kombat when it came out was much better. But I think the big deal with Pit Fighter was it was all just pictures, like pictures of dudes fighting and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, digitized actors and all. Right. Yeah, how tough is that? Like, have you how tough would that is that to do? It's like, I've seen it more and more, and like everyone's getting their face pretty realistic on on uh, on computers, except for I'm playing Call of Duty, and they have a Rick Grimes character now. It doesn't look doesn't look exactly right. I can tell you that. You figure they just pixelate his face or something, but I don't know how any of this stuff is done. It seems to be a lot easier now. They just put those little pins all over your face, and I guess they get it. Yeah, there are many ways to do it. Uh, there is... Well, Danilo will probably know more about this, but you can get an array of cameras uh, around the actor's face and take, like, bazillions of pictures that the computer will then use to compose their face inside the game. I remember L.A. Noir, which is a game that released a couple years ago that used yeah, this. Yeah, I like, I like that game. Yeah, yeah, it's the motion capture-like technology. Stuff. One of the guys from uh, Mad Men was the lead detective. I remember that. One of the things that I'd uh, like to ask, because I actually, we had you shared some stories with me over the years, but like, like filming, like a lot of people go to like TV or movies or publicity and stuff like that. They never went to college. They, they actually like got the whole like go to superior get a degree like education stuff like that they learn that sometimes comes from families that is living the business inside the, the the industry like how was it like yeah and you can share on, on the funny stories if you want like how was like actually learning game design learning how to make a game like inside the college it was very frustrating because so creating games is essentially you know, you know the three main competencies you need to have you have to have an artist a programmer or a coder and a designer if you take any of these guys out you either have an ugly game or an unplayable game or a bad game okay. and most video game development schools in brazil don't have game designers so it's something you have to you know teach yourself kind of while you're learning coding and about art right and i remember fighting uh, i'm kind of a persona non grata in my course because i fought a lot with the administration so we could have you know actual useful coding classes because they were teaching us how to build uh, I don't know, bakery software, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And the skills you need to create, like a database, and the skills you need to create a game are very different. You have, you know, different concerns. And it was the same with art. Like, I'm not an artist. I get by with a little pixel art here and there to, you know, kind of get across what I'm doing. But it's not something I focus on. I'm not, you know, drawing every day or whatever. And my teachers were expecting me to make, you know, Gears of War quality characters in 3D. And I was like, 
guys. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I can't, you know, there, there's no way. And about your profile, right? Yeah, so as a game designer, I was always doing, you know, kind of by myself and trying to apply stuff to the games uh, we made. We had a lot of project classes in which the point of the class was to develop a game beginning to end. And there were four project classes. And the fourth was the the graduation work. Oh, the, the thesis. Yeah, yes, exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. Which was uh, a real tournament style game I made with a few colleagues. So on my very first game, I remember I spent like a lot of time tuning the character's movement. And I remember my teachers being impressed by that. And my my other classmates, they couldn't do that. They were like, well, how, how do you get that to feel that good? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Just trying. <laughs> it feels good. Uh, we didn't have, you know, a concrete uh, base foundation to what we were doing. So it was very frustrating. It was annoying. Yeah, yeah because basically like the, it's like, okay, I'm going to teach you how to use a camera. I'm going to teach you like the basics like of photography. I'm going to teach you how to write a script. I'm going to teach you how to, you know, do the whole project management, like producing stuff, you know, money, uh, and resources, but I'm not going to teach you how to direct, you know, basically that's what's happening, right? Because from what you're saying is you learn a lot about coding, you know, it's part of the process but the whole game designer like idea that actually evolved right if we think like one of our heroes john romero he was a programmer first of all he yeah. started programming at what six that day i think he started programming like very early very early even but nowadays now every triple a game and every indie game like has the like the game director, the game designer, the guy that actually thinks how the game is going to be played, which is basically the core. Like, we discussed a lot about this, about, like, what is the core of each art, you know? Like, storytelling, I tell everyone, like, storytelling is not the core of movies. Yes, most people watch movies and televisions, they watch fiction. So they have this idea that the script, the writing is the most important. It actually is not. It's the, the cinematography aesthetic you know which includes sounds include the image itself and includes what happens inside the, the dramatic effect even if it doesn't, doesn't have like performance and when you go to video games which basically are interactive videos it's not in about these things either it's about the gameplay how the interaction happens and the whole reward system difficulty you know how the game plays and this is one of the things that I love when you talk about it because you make games and you also very in tune what is happening in the gaming industry. And in our last episode, we talked about it. I talked a little bit about some frustrations we are having within gaming design nowadays, with especially the AAA industry. And I, I would like you to, you know, share some of, of your thoughts, like monetization, battle passes, live gaming, 
you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, what what is happening to games nowadays? Why they don't feel as fun? So, yeah, we're fucked big time. <laughs> Video games are no longer about the fun. It feels like sometimes, like they aren't supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be engaging, and right. engagement and fun are different things. You can, I don't know, ride a horse in Elden Ring across the map. And you're not doing much, but you're still, you know, having fun. You're, you know, appreciating the scenery, looking around, take pictures, whatever. But developers don't want that. They want you to engage, to do stuff, to, you know, be actively working the game, let's say. And I'm not sure why that's going on. I guess it makes a lot of money for them. But it's something they're, they've been, you know, changing in games. And especially with monetization, like uh, adding stuff like loot boxes, for instance. That's not the point of the loot box is not, you know, having something fun for the player is having the player engaged, you know, wanting more items, interacting with it. And not every game is suited to this kind of design. We have had a good example of this with Overwatch 2 a while ago. Because mm -hmm. Overwatch 2 is it's actually just, you know, Overwatch 1, but worse, because now you have loot boxes and not just loot boxes, but like you can have characters paywalled off. But Overwatch needs you to have access to every character because there are hard, hard counters everywhere in the roster. So imagine you're in a competitive space or something and some guy is playing Genji. And you don't have a character that can counter Genji, like, I don't know, Moira, I would say. Mm -hmm. So you're going to die a lot to that Genji. You're, yeah. you're not going to win, and you can do anything about it except, you know, open your wallet and buy the yeah. character. Pay to win, right? This is what we were talking about, I think, last time. Yeah, and that's how we fall into pay to win. You'll be paying for convenience, like Danilo has pointed out already. Yeah. You'll be paying to win the games. I remember this old game called Gunbound, which was like Worms. Do you oh, remember okay. Worms? I remember Worms. Yeah, Gunbound was like an online and worse version of Worms. And before the game ended, you could literally pay to win. Like exactly like that. You just, you know, you would buy an item that you would use in game and you would win the match instantly. How, what fun is that? Why is that fun? It's not. It's stupid. <laughs> yeah, sounds ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I was talking especially about Pokemon Go because it's something that me and Sar play a lot. And even though there is a competitive side to Pokemon Go, they have a battle system. It's not exactly like the, the main series, but it's there. You can actually win the game. Like, there's a little bit of the core design pokemon since the 90s is still there but the games becomes way more fun if you constantly pays for like 
item capacity, new items. Uh, they did have this horrible design that I always felt to like the the researches, which basically are quests that you can do in the game. A lot of them, you have to pay to do it. They, have, they are timed, which also what Julian is saying that it feels for me. And, and this precedes even a little bit of the monetization. Live games like MMOs started this a lot, even before microtransaction existed. The whole idea that now you design a game that becomes a training wheel. And mobile games are not the best example of that. That the game is designed for you to open the freaking game every day because if you don't do it, you're going to lose all your rewards and stupid shit like that sure so what do you think about this whole like feels for me that games are now being more sneaky psychological to us like they're kind of in a way for trying to create a, a, a vice trying to create an addiction like by slowly turning us into like okay i have to play the game every day i have to open i have to do this stuff because if i don't what is the point right yeah i wouldn't say it's kind of in a way i would say it is you know straight up trying to turn the game into a vice mm -hmm. and like i said the point is interaction which breeds uh, money i guess for them they want to log in into the game and you know messing about they don't want you to stay inside the game forever that's why you have stuff like energy that you can spend you know making stuff uh a while ago i was playing a game called i guess age of sparta back in the windows phone days and i remember oh. i could fight like a few matches a day but not an infinite amount i could do like four or five matches a day so mm -hmm. I would end up wanting more when I was done with the game. And I could pay, I could buy more energy, but I could just wait a few hours for my energy to recharge. And that's how you build a habit. That's how you get the player to, you know, be constantly thinking about the game. And that increases the odds that the player will spend money in the game. Yeah, because, like, the whole monetization aspect, like, I do understand that and, and you talked about this with me before that yes games are getting extremely more complex to make now we need we need like more than movies in terms of production teams to do you know like 800 people thousand people like in a game and the engines and the graphical fidelity and all this other stuff is now actually making games longer to make more expensive to make and, and requiring even more people to be involved in, into the project so and because of such complexity like games are bound to need to they have to live after launch right you have to have some sort of even if your game is not live even if your game is not online you still have to work on the game post launch because you have to streamline the process in order for like to get it to be released, but you yeah. still have to do the patches and stuff like this. Uh, how like do you think that we're going to reach a point that now games are going to take like ten years to be made, 
or something like that. I believe we will break before we reach that point. We, I mean, you know, like the games industry, because that's already happening right now. Do you guys know how many exclusive games are there on the PS5 right now? I don't know. Zach, answer this. You have one. How would I know? Uh, I'm going to say none. There are a few. I guess there are eight, six or eight games, something like that. that well, God, are of War, God, of, God of War would be one, right? There is God a sequel, War, and I have no else. Yeah, the sequel yeah, the new, because yeah, the, the new God the, of War, the new God of War. The reboot actually is on PC, right? They, they probably yeah, yeah. And God PS4. of War and uh, Ragnarok, I think it is, right? It's a Ragnarok. Okay, so yeah. exclusive just okay, just PS5, not even PS4. Okay, so it's just eight. Yeah, I remember Astro's Playroom. I remember yeah, Spider-Man well, that comes, 2. That comes with that comes with the PS5 now, right? Yeah. It's a, a bit of a, a technology concept thing, something like that, right? To show off the controller. I haven't done it, but I always keep... I see it every time I turn it on. I'm like, maybe I should take this out. <laughs> yeah, I remember there, there are a few games like that for the Vita, too. Sure. Which is a game that, that that's only there to show off how the Vita works, what it can do, and so on. So on the PS5, there are, if I'm not mistaken, about eight games... Mm -hmm. that are truly exclusive to the platform and when did it first release it was like 2019 2020 something like that uh, yeah i want to say about three years ago three maybe yeah. three and a half it's been a while now you know think of the ps2 for instance PS2. three years in how many exclusive games were there a lot right it's not just it's, it, it's not feasible to no, go on like this. Games yeah. taking longer and longer to get done in name of fidelity and all. And that breeds, you know, more aggressive monetization because the dev cycles are taking longer, so they need more money. So they want you to spend more on the game, which is why the prices uh, went up a while ago. And now there are st there's stuff like, you know, paid DLC in fucking every game essentially yeah like the price thing like has a lot to do like with economics in general because games have been priced 60 dollars in america since the freaking 90s you know and yeah. even though yes now nowadays our american friends are now knowing what we brazilians have no for such a long time now they know what inflation is Right. Uh, Brazil had Brazil had hyperinflation. Like yeah. When 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 Juliana was a kid, I actually did not experience that. Like yeah, in '93, things were red result. Right. So it was after Itamar Franco uh, uh, presidency. Uh, but yeah, in America's now they're they're seeing like games getting 70, 80, 90, 100, like even base price, not like even deluxe editions. You know. Mm -hmm. Oh, pre-order expansion or just like the base games now getting worse it's yeah it's it's a bubble that feels that it's going to 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 burst because i also understand that they need more money to continue making games you know they have a hundred a thousand employees you know technically you have to well, keep good job. or you can do what microsoft did and 
since we're talking about this and we talked about this a little bit and that when my idea to 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 call you to to the show first of all why my why you became an xbox guy because in brazil i think you can agree with me brazil has more a playstation bias right yeah absolutely from my experience like I was the weird dude that never wanted to have a PlayStation 1 or PlayStation 2. I wanted to have a GameCube. Yeah, you were a Nintendo kid, right? I was a Nintendo kid, even though in Brazil this is not good because Brazil didn't have, like, uh, you told me that it didn't have, like, an actual part of the company. So everything was imported. That's why it was freaking expensive and and not easy to, to pirate either so i wanted to play pokemon coliseum which is also it is one of the best pokemon games you should play it like but do the emulator thing both and stuff it's worth it and but i don't know it was it was very difficult to to get that thing i ended up selling it one of the few things i regret in my life was selling that game but anyway why an xbox and what the hell is going on in phil spencer's head and the president of Microsoft, like, what do they want with this whole buying people, firing people, game pass? Like, you know better than me. I want, I want you to. to yeah. Explain. So, for your first question, um, when I was a kid, uh, the first video game console I got, like, my own game console, was the Sega Master System mm-hmm. and Excellent. the Game Gear. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I had that too. I have no idea how my father could afford the Game Gear in like 1993. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he was part of the mob or something. Nice. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, because, <laughs> you know, there, there's no way it was too expensive. It was the price of a car on a video game. Holy Hannah. Really? Yeah. yeah I'm thinking like mine was like 150 bucks in, ca- in Canadian money. Which yeah. Is, uh, not no, in Brazil we had this awful inflation, like Danilo was saying. So uh, this stuff was never uh, built in Brazil, mm-hmm. you know, manufactured. Right. We sometimes would assemble it here to lower the costs a little bit. Mm-hmm. But even then, the master system was expensive, but you know, kind of affordable. But the Game Gear was not. The Game Gear was super expensive, mm-hmm. and I got both. Uh, on one of my birthdays, I guess my fourth birthday, and I was like, fourth wow. Birthday? wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy God. All right. So I, you know, I grew up playing Sonic. I went on mm-hmm. to have the Genesis, which here we call the Mega Drive. Oh, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. And then uh, I moved on to the Saturn. I didn't own a Saturn, but I would play, you know, uh, in video rental shops. Uh, those were the Sat- big thing in Brazil. Saturn's the one that had where this was the CDs, right? Yeah. The first CD kind of games. Yeah. When the Saturn and the PlayStation released, so the thing is, in Brazil we were we were always a generation behind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Master System uh, was popular here around 1993 or so. Oh, okay. And by then the SNES and the Genesis were already out in mm-hmm. the rest of the world. Yep. And around 1996, we were getting, you know, the Genesis or the Mega Drive. The kids were all playing, you know, Killer Instinct and Mortal Kombat. 
But overseas, we already had the PlayStation in 94. Mm-hmm. But that was just too expensive to have here. The first time I played a PS1 game was at my friend's birthday. And her brother or cousin or something was living in Japan at the time. And he came over for her birthday and he brought the PS1. And I thought it was like a computer or something. Right. Because, you know, it was so alien. We were all playing Super Mario Brothers on the other room. And this guy comes over and hooks up the PS1 and starts playing, you know, Resident Evil 1, which was Biohazard because it was the Japanese version. I think that's so wild that you remember, you actually remember the video games and stuff that you were playing and stuff like that. Like, I, I do remember the first PlayStation game I ever played, and that was, uh, I believe it was Final Fantasy VII. That's when I first got a PlayStation. That's the first game I bought. But uh, yeah, I couldn't. I could not tell you the first Atari game I ever played or anything <laughs> like that. That's crazy. Yeah, I have a very good memory for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. If only this power could be used for good. Oh my gosh! <laughs> right. But uh, the PS One uh, made an impression because you know it was real actors in the game. The whole and, tree neat thing, right? Yeah, and I remember the opening. With you know the stars, Bravo team mm-hmm. yep. going inside the house, then the first zombie looking over his shoulder, which was super scary. We were like you know seven years old. Back I was then. gonna say, how old were you kids? But yeah, yeah you were already playing Duke Nukem and stuff like that. I'm sure Resident <laughs> Evil was nothing for you guys. Yeah, I when got scared playing Resident it, Evil. and I was an, I was a grown man. But I was still <laughs> scared of playing it. Yeah, I got desensitized very early, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Uh, in this, when this happened, I was eight, I guess. And the thing is, we were playing, you know, Resident Evil in this living room. Mm-hmm. And then the girl's grandma comes over and she's like, what the hell, guys? <laughs> so her cousin, which was, you know, older back then, he turned off the game and putting like Crash Bandicoot or something. Yeah, sure. Something more. And then I remember wandering back to one of the bedrooms where people were playing uh, Super Mario Brothers. And that game, like, instantly aged 30 years. You know, yeah. <laughs> Looking at the PS1. So anyway, back to your question. Uh, yeah, about the Xbox. We, we couldn't afford these kinds of game consoles in Brazil. So we used to play in video rental shops. We could play, uh, like, pay a buck for an hour. And sometimes the kids would even buy the memory cards so they could have their own saves. Sure. But we would mostly pay to play, you know, Tomb Raider, Fighting Force, Brazilian different soccer games. Oh my god! In Brazil, yeah. this doesn't this doesn't track. Yeah, yeah, that 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 is this problem too. Freaking yeah, yeah winning eleven and such. Oh and then on the next generation, there was the Dreamcast. Yeah. And again, we couldn't really afford the Dreamcast until, you know, a generation. It was a generation behind or such. It was too expensive. So when I could buy the Dreamcast, uh, it was already dead on the water. Uh, right. Sega had abandoned it. And Microsoft was, you know, picking up its slack in a way. Lots of Dreamcast games were coming to the Xbox, like Shenmue 2 and Panzer Dragoon. I guess there was an Echo game, maybe? 
and even other Sega games like Otoji, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So since I was, you know, a Sega kid, it was a smooth transition to the Xbox because mm -hmm. the Sega games I wanted to play, like Crazy Taxi 3 was an X Xbox exclusive. So that's how I ended up on the Xbox. I did have a PS2. I have one, you know, right here. It's just off screen. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, you also collect consoles. I forgot about that. That's a PS2? Oh, I still yeah. have like the little thin guy and stuff like that too. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's the fat PS2, mm -hmm. as we call it. Sure. And, but the PS1, you know, it, it kind of dropped in a parachute out of nowhere in 1995, 1994. And it didn't have, you know, the, the tradition that Sega and Nintendo had back then. Of course, it, you know, everyone moved over to the PlayStation because it looked amazing. Yeah. And like I said, it instantly aged every other game console you could have in your in your home. And it was easy to pirate too. Yeah, that was <laughs> playing a big part, I guess, because you could just you know burn games and mod chip it and play without issues. So most kids in Brazil, when the PS One and the PS Two became affordable they bought the PlayStation uh, consoles. And that's how it built uh, this large user base. I remember one of my teachers in university telling us that he brought the Sony guys over to Brazil to show them that they had their numbers wrong in North America in this user base because uh, Lots of PlayStations were being brought over to Brazil, and Brazilians didn't play anything else. They just well, played the PS2. Yeah, it was a huge thing. Every kid had a PS2, right? Like, for me, it wasn't uh, like this, because by the time I had the age to uh, really annoy my parents to buy me a console, to, uh, the 64 was already, like, dying, like, GameCube. Uh, and I didn't want to, I always wanted to be the different guy. Don't worry. everybody has a PlayStation. I don't need this or anything. And like, I can always go play in my friend's house. So I wanted to have something different. Like, and uh, uh, I was basically born a PC gamer, right? Like, for me, PCs was already, were always like a place to play video games. Or all that we always get when I was a kid games on the PC, you know, even though I technically, I think I got my PC in 1990. Thousand when I was six or seven, you know, and the only thing that I would have besides the PC was my Game Boy. I actually discovered uh, the night before my wedding, like when I when my dad came here, that the, the my first Game Boy actually wasn't born in Brazil. He actually bought it all in the United States when he came to visit. <laughs> As I had one of these too, that was my second. My first one was a purple one. That got stolen. Oh no! Yeah, but the, my original Pokemon Yellow wasn't. I mean, got stolen afterwards. I, I landed somebody from an old school and never got got me back, motherfuckers. But my second one was, it was a green one, exactly like this. But I had to sell because uh, I needed money. Also, another mistake. Like, yeah, I, I wouldn't do this. that. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, now I understand why you're. She's cachista, like Eric, our friend says. But, like, I don't know 
I was uh, kind of in doubt with the things that I said in the last episode, like about like why X, why buying Bethesda and then buying Activision. Like, was I right? Like, has to do a lot of the the game pass, like the whole like console wars, like or maybe at me some some points. So if you could talk about a little yes. bit. Yes. So. You know, I, I don't have, you know, a crystal ball or anything. I don't mm. have direct access to Phil Spencer. <laughs> but what looks like is happening is they're working on this strategy of becoming a service and no longer a console. Maybe in the near future, you'll be able to play Xbox on the PlayStation or something like that. Like, yeah. I know that sounds absurd right now, but... Because... Yeah. They don't have uh, console exclusives anymore. Every Xbox game also comes out on the PC. And now, just a couple of days ago, they announced Sea of Thieves, Pentiment, Grounded, and some other game coming out on PS5 and the Nintendo Switch. The one that keeps sticking in my head when it comes to like exclusivity and Xbox is Halo. I've only I only played Xbox I think in my life twice. Uh, one of them was Halo for about 15 minutes and I liked it. So I'd always wanted. Well, it's the kind of game for me, right? It's a first-person kind of shooter. So that's what I want. I want Halo to come over. But uh, you're ta- also talking about exclusive and and then cross-generation and stuff like that. The moment I saw a picture of Super Mario with Sonic the Hedgehog. That's what was it for me. It's like what, like yeah. cats and dogs are living together here, guys. Yeah, Master. I remember when the uh, Sonic Heroes game, I guess, came out on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that, that that was just no, just so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I remember holding the game in my hands, and I was like, "This is wrong. This can't happen." <laughs> <laughs> it's unholy. On? This is unholy. Exactly. It shouldn't be happening. That's right. No, that's when everything started going wrong with the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we pinpointed the moment, the moment yeah. Sonic showed up. That's exactly the right moment that everything went downhill was when a Sonic God. game was breast into a GameCube disc. They should have known better. Those bastards! Oh, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, it really feels like that. Like, it's the same thing if you put, like, X-Men and Batman together. It doesn't feel right, you know, like those... Yeah. You know the the whole culture war between like franchises and stuff like this. It feels for me that the the only video game company that still wins in the whole exclusivity thing because now, now we see like games from PlayStation going to PC too, right? Is Nintendo, right? Yeah. Even even, even there is the whole like oh Nintendo consoles. Worst hardware, blah, blah 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 blah. It has been since like the the sixty four. It's amazing that this the that model still works for them. Like Pokemon, Mario, Zelda, Metroid, like they're still winning with that. Yeah. So there's something interesting that I used to say back in university, to the chagrin of my classmates, which is, you don't need a video game better than the ps2 to make any game Hmm. and people were like oh but you can't have you know high definition graphics and all and i was like yeah whatever but you don't need that if you get you know 
some guy to code a game like Gears of War on the PS2, would it work? If you, you know, you downgrade the graphics, it would work. You don't right. need no better hardware. Oh, but you, can, you couldn't have Elden Ring. Yeah, but we have, you know, lots of open world games on the PS2. We have, I don't know, GDA, for instance. Yeah. Works fine. So if you make, you know, Elden Ring with the GTA style graphics, you know, there's nothing uh, inherent to the game design that requires better hardware. I guess the, the game that kind of breaks that is that Ratchet and Clank game for the PS5. And that's because it needs like an SSD or something like that. It would probably have longer load times if you were you know, hopping around different dimensions or something like that. But even then, you already had that on the PS1 with Soul River Legacy of King. <laughs> so why do you need, you know, better hardware? Why are we pursuing, you know, this photorealism? What's the point? Yeah, I think Minecraft, when Minecraft Explorer, and Minecraft has been a while now, but I think what Minecraft Explorer for the general public is that it's not about the fidelity, it's not about the, you know, how many polygons or like lighting or anything, it's the art design is what yeah. matters the most. Yeah, the art design and the game design, the fun. Yeah. The thing with Minecraft was that it was fun to play around with and, you know, make your own house. And then you were, you know, distracted beating your stuff and the creeper would come around and blow it up. Yeah. And Minecraft is actually a great example for this because it looks like, I don't know, an 8-bit game or something. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most popular games in the world, if not the most. And the game itself is amazing. I remember uh, a while ago, I bought it for the Xbox. And my ex-girlfriend, she was like, you're going to play Minecraft? And I was like, yeah, like, why not? What's wrong? And she was, you know, she, she didn't find it interesting until she saw me, you know, building my house. <laughs> and I remember her watching the screen. She was like, ah, "Okay." And she picked up the controller and joined. In the, and I was like, "What's up? You're being a house. I'm going to build with you." And you know, and the game is all squares. You don't need fidelity. You can have fidelity in Minecraft. There's you know hyper realistic mods which look awful, but you know anyway. Mm-hmm. But you don't need that, and you don't need that in. I don't know, almost every game. I guess L.A. Noir could be hard to pull off with bad graphics because you need to be able to tell when people were lying and such. Oh, right, right, right. Otherwise, like, I don't know, get the latest GTA game, like GTA V, which is already a very old game. It was for the PS3 and Xbox 360. 11 years ago. Yeah, it got re-released a bunch of times. Like Skyrim. Still incredibly popular, though. It's still popular. Like they're just now, they're just now starting to develop a six, I guess. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it has a lot to live up to. Like, and, and I played the first few uh, uh, GTAs uh, when they were coming out. The first one was a lot of fun, just that top down thing or whatever running around. Uh, two was fun. Three was great. Like Vice City uh, was great. Uh, four was San Andreas, right? 
Uh, no, 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 no. San Andreas is before four. Oh, is it? Yeah. Think of three Vice City and San Andreas like as a trilogy. That's the right. One. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The 3D trilogy they call, even though they made like Liberty City stories and Vice City stories too, but basically the main trilogy plus two spin-offs. You have the first two. There is the 2D universe, and then you have the HD universe with four. Right. Plus the two DLCs and five. That's it. They're all they were all fun. They're all great. Like I loved uh, my favorite part in the radio and just finding the radio stations. I love that. And then you know driving over people and having the cops come after you. That's always fun. But uh those things had like a shelf life like you can go back and play them a little bit as and it's nostalgia like it's an active game like it's been around for this long it's been through now uh, this is its third uh uh console that it's on it's third generation it's still the same game but it just gets cleaned up or whatever every once in a while so yeah. they why aren't more games being made like this because it seems like it's just automatic cash for these guys it, it's still high selling they only did it was they only have to clean it up and stuff like that why why aren't they just focusing more just on how the game is played because the, the game is fun it's fun it's fun to do these things so they know what's right why can people just get more into ideas like let's pay more people to actually come up with something that's fun so we don't have to keep doing this all over and over again we could just we could just pay to get it done once and have guys around to help fix it out go on to the next thing after that make us more money from that so i'm sure like gta is making more than well i wouldn't say call of duty games because of course <laughs> they make all kinds of money and they do it every year they have three different studios yeah. doing it but uh like you could say it like a, another franchise or whatever they could put out three four games and it hasn't made it anywhere near as much money as gta 5 which is an yeah, 11 year old concept now yeah so i feel that what you're referring to is the death of double a games because mm -hmm. that's what boy boiled down to back then we had double a games as we would put it stuff like i don't know fatal frame for instance which is you know a somewhat small game mm -hmm. which you can you know make it somewhat cheaply and quickly and try out a concept and if mm -hmm. it works, it becomes a franchise, as it did with Fatal Frame. Mm -hmm. But sometimes that doesn't pan out. I would point out to games like Q1 on the PS2, which was a FromSoft game, uh, which tried to be a survival horror medieval Japan thing. So we lost those games a while ago. Because you either had to be a AAA game, or it just didn't get made. And there's a bunch of games in the seventh generation, uh, like Soldier of Fortune, for instance, mm -hmm. Raven's uh, first person shooter. They made the third game and it was awful and it killed the franchise. And it's, it's a game that's so weird because it's trying to tap into the Call of Duty market so now the the main character from those games which was you know soldier for hire is in the middle east for some unexplainable reason mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and it was you know just so off-brand it's just so weird or dead space which is a better example we would say oh, yeah, space. that space was awesome it was an incredible game then they made two and it veered more into 
action, I guess. Yeah. And by the third game, it, it was a, a co-op mode or something. And the combat was trivialized because the game was made to be played for, you know, just by one person. So if you can have two people, you can have complementary kinds of weapons and trivialize combat. Yeah. Like, imagine playing Doom with one guy holding the shotgun and another the chain gun and another just just a rocket launcher. Yeah, you you really need to design the stuff in a way that you know yeah. you have to hold for that much like power coming from the player because I think also one of the things that I see a lot in games that people don't understand difficulty. We either have extremely easy games that kind of insulting like it's like they're, they're they're creating a game for the dumbest people in the planet you know but at the same time you have some games that they're creating artificial difficulty it's very easy well, yeah, <laughs> president evil 2 i think is a great example again of good difficulty right do you remember how much people were crying about the Mr. X and they cried so much that when the third game came around they completely nerfed Nemesis yeah Nemesis is useless in this game like whenever uh, it shows up you just you know drop a grenade and keep going on and pretend nothing happened yep and I've got like, real the... difficulty is not like okay I'm going this boss is going to be tanky and have a million health or is gonna spawn like heat scanners behind you and then they're gonna kill you in one shot. Okay, it, it's difficult, but it's not like you're forcing something, like you're not really engaging, the, you're not making it fun, you're not you're, you're creating artificial difficulty, you're not creating a challenge to be overcome. So it feels like that that this thing, that's one of the things why for Doom Eternal, it was very controversial because Doom. And we're going to talk about doing FPS in a second. Uh, has this prejudice that people just think it's a f easy game. You have a shotgun and you and you kill the demons and that's it. Which is the core of Doom, but actually the game since nineteen ninety three is a very smart game. It's a very well designed game. That's why people play it this day. That's why it's still a franchise. And then when Doom Eternal basically enforce more of car principles from 30 years ago people are like oh but i can't use just one weapon to kill everything anymore like no you never should have in the first place <laughs> the game should have let you do that it's now call of duty like that you have just two weapons now you have like eight and now in the new ones you have eight and modifications and outliers and Upgrade stuff like that. No. There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot. We should make uh, this into a drinking game uh, of whenever Danilo mentions Doom, uh, the person has to drink. They did oh, that sure. in my birthday. <laughs> one of my birthday streams. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so Snark, so you're a Call of Duty guy. Yeah. And very soon, you're, you're going to delve into more into the 90s, the oranges of this genre that we all love so much sure Jordan, why were we plagued by military shooters so much 
decades, you know? I don't know. I guess people were just into it. I remember uh, in the late 90s uh, when games became a little more realistic, let's say. Mm -hmm. Not really, but you know, you had uh, enough technology to make something that looked kind of real in a way. Mm -hmm. And so people uh, played Metal of Honor on the PS1. And it was, you know, a more grounded and serious game. Cool. And so I guess people wanted more of it. So the industry just, you know, followed the money and started pumping those out. I remember the first Call of Duty games were World War II games. Uh -huh. Then there was Modern Warfare. And another game that was very popular in in Brazil called Black. Which is Black. also, yeah. Do you remember Black for the Xbox and the PS2? Nope. If I'm not mistaken, it came out before Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It could be off on the dates. Mm. And Black was a very, you know, realistic. Again, I'm using this word, but it's not really what I mean. It's, you know, a more grounded game. It didn't have, you know, laser weapons and stuff like that. And as the video game fan base got older, they didn't want to play Space Marines anymore, which sucks. Because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's where all the fun was. And so th there was this thing like, oh, no, this is now I'm an adult. I'm playing this gritty war game. This is serious business. It's not, you know, monsters in space or whatever. I guess that played a big part as well, but I don't know. I guess people just were more into it. Uh, one of my big frustrations from this era is when I stopped playing on the computer because I was also a PC gamer. Like I got a PC in 1996, mm -hmm. which is where I would play Doom and stuff. And by 2001, 2002, I was, you know, awesome with keyboard and mouse. I could play stuff like a real tournament and Quake 3 Arena. And I remember, you know, winning matches, like free for all deathmatch stuff. It was very good. But people moved on to Counter-Strike, which was more slow paced and mm -hmm. realistic. And I was so bored by it that I just, you know, bought a console and moved on. And this was a part of it, you know, people were just getting older and looking for more uh, greedy stuff, I guess. This also happened on the Xbox 360 generation, where all games suddenly became, like, brown and gray. Yeah, games start losing color. Yeah. So it reminds me of someone that we know that doesn't like color. And stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... it's yeah, I rem I'm trying to remember Black. I, I remember a lot of Counter Strikes because I I missed being born in '93. I missed basically all arcade there. I played in like shopping malls, and I think a distant cousin of mine even had an arcade. He had like Marvel versus Capcom, and I remember like it was his birthday, and I played a lot. Of I actually got good because I I suck at 
fighting games. I always he had asked. the arcade machine. Yeah, he had like an actual arcade uh, game machine. Yeah. How? He, was, <laughs> he he his father was very rich, and then afterwards, I'm not gonna get into it. It's a very distant cousin. Uh, they did divorce and stuff. It was very bad. He had readjusted <laughs> life without money and stuff like this. But yeah, he had an arcade, and I told like the console stuff. I was a more of a Nintendo kid, so it was not easy to get the stuff. I didn't have a lot of games in the GameCube. I had Need, uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2, came with it. I had Colosseum. I bought Metroid Prime 2. It's an excellent mm. I replayed it on the PC with mouse and keyboard. As Oh, FPS should be played. <laughs> Nah, I'm actually kidding. like, actually, I have a question. Like, this whole mouse versus keyboard versus control, like, eh. how much is real science? How much is just like, like, shit posting on the internet? I don't know, man. It's more about being used to it, I guess. Because I was very used to mouse and keyboard. I remember when I moved over to the PS2 and it was pure suffering. Uh, the first first person shooter I played was something called Area Fifty One. Okay. Ooh, I know this one. Yeah, it's a very good game. I guess Tom Hall worked on it or something. Tom Hall worked on it. Yeah. yeah. And I remember being so frustrated, you know, trying to aim and stuff because I wasn't used to playing on the controller. But eventually, I got better and better, and nowadays I'm better with the controller than with mouse and keyboard. Uh, a while ago, I was playing Overwatch with a couple of friends, and they were laughing their asses off because I was playing Diva, and I'm used to turning on the boosters in her mech and flying out of the base when the game starts. Mm -hmm. And with mouse and keyboard, I would just, you know, ram into the walls like crazy instead of <laughs> flying out. Yeah, for me, uh, I, I respect people that are control users. I'm not like our friend Aldo Berto that is like, he's the he's the extreme example of the whole, I'm going to have an FPS heart monitor and input lag and all that shit and mouse and all that obsession. But uh, for me, uh, because of it's used, I'm more used to mouse and keyboard for FPS. I don't like playing with controllers. Like even and I, I can take on Roberto on Doom. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. I, I, I I get by. I'm not a big you know deathmatch player anymore. Even on controller, I'm just I just don't have the patience to get good at it. But I can hold on my own. And the thing that most people don't get is aiming with the controller is different. Mm -hmm. Because you're not just using, you know, the right analog stick. You're using both. You're yep. aiming this and fine-tuning with this one. Mm -hmm. So you're sidestepping a lot. And that's something I notice when I'm playing on the computer because I try to do it on the keyboard. Instead of, you know, aiming just with the mouse, I try to sidestep a little bit. Mm -hmm. But on the keyboard, you don't have, you know, a way to slowly move right or something. Mm -hmm. Unless you use a shift key or something. So I will be like, you know, tapping A and D, trying to get into the perfect spot. Uh, yeah. For me, it's the opposite. Like, I, I 
I have very difficult moving and aiming at the same time in a controller, but for me, in a keyboard and mouse, it's so natural. Like, I'm not even thinking wearing the control. Like, I was playing Doom in my Switch, I was telling Tark and you about And Doom, you can't even, you don't have to look, you don't look vertically, just horizontally. And that was already being very stressful for me. A lot of time I couldn't do it because, yeah, the whole dexterity of the controller is different. But yeah, I asked you because true. there's the whole thing that in consoles, especially for shooters, like there's like aim assist and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm not a big fan of aim assist. I understand that some people need it to play. But for me, for instance, it's on a level that it gets in the way if I try to use it. Because sometimes, let's say, I'm aiming, aiming at the guy I'm trying to shoot. Mm -hmm. And his arm is sticking out, out of the wall like this. But if I put the target here, the auto-aim will pull it towards the wall to the center of mass. Right. And Another know, problem annoying. is when there's two people. You'll be trained on one, but another guy will pop up and he'll want to go over and stuff like that, too. It's like, no, 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 no. Focus on this guy first. Damn you. Also, yeah. one thing I, I know that uh, it's a big advantage for uh, a keyboard and mouse guys is just the actual movement. Like just hopping around, like bunny hopping and stuff like that is just it's just so much easier on a, on a keyboard and mouse. I can't really do much about it on a on a joystick. I notice that a lot. It gets me very upset. Yeah, so there are ways around that. Like mm -hmm. when I first started playing Doom 2016, mm -hmm. I noticed that I needed to jump while i was aiming but yeah. the jump button is mapped to the a on the controller and so i mapped it to the right bumper okay mm. so i had to jump on the right bumper and this was the melee attack i guess so it got mapped somewhere else i can't remember and eventually i got the elite controller for the xbox which allows you to have pedals below the controller so now i just jump like this okay but yeah the, the pedal market really jumped a few years right the whole yeah. customizing your joystick and shit i think that's, that's very awesome. cool because uh it's not as me because i played the wall a little bit uh some months ago like i just i just go i, I always go like ah, i'm gonna do and then the whole game mmo game design bars me after a while and he was like, why? Why they don't port this thing like for console? Saber, because those type of games need to have every single thing mapped on the keyboard. You don't have that many buttons on the on the, on the freaking console. You know? Like you have hey, one of the things on game design that you have to, you know, think about. I'll be right back, guys. Okay. Dog calling. So those are things that you have to work around when you are making a game for the console, like the selection wheel on Doom for the weapons. That's an amazing solution, I guess. Because yes. you can just hold the button and point somewhere and get again. Though in Doom Eternal, I like mapping the keys. So I get the D-pad and I just put the super shotgun, the rocket launcher, and some other stuff there. It's easy for, for the switch. Yeah. Which is very core of advanced Doom Eternal. Which actually um, existed since 93, right? Yeah. Using a right arm, so right hand. 
actually like that. And there's also motion aiming, which is something that I think will, you know, revolutionize controller aiming in the future. Because so, like where you put this like the the control like No, screen. not like that. You'll be aiming with the analog sticks. Okay. And you'll be fine tuning by tilting the controller. Oh. And I know it sounds gimmicky and awful, but what happens is a couple of years ago, I got the Vita, the PS Vita, <laughs> and it came with Uncharted. The first one? So, yeah, the for, it's an exclusive game, Uncharted Golden Abyss, just oh. for the Vita. And so I started playing Uncharted Golden Abyss, and I noticed that it had this motion aiming thing turned on. And firstly, I just ignored it, but then I started using it to pull off headshots Ooh. because you can hold L, I guess, to aim down sights. Then you can use the analog stick to, you know, adjust your aiming, and you can move the controller a little bit to just fine tune it enough, you know. Yeah, oh, and that, that's cool. So I finished the game. And I went to play something on the Xbox. And I found myself tilting the controller, trying to find the motion aiming and missing it. And it was the worst thing ever because I had to unlearn something that was very useful in a game. And the reason we don't have that as a standard yet is because Microsoft doesn't uh, put it in their controllers. Nintendo does it, Sony does it, Microsoft doesn't. I was hoping they would fix this in this generation, but they didn't. So... Here's to hoping that on the next Xbox, if there is a next Xbox, right, they will fix it. The, the whole aiming thing is one of the reasons why a lot of games doesn't have like cross-platform like with the PC, right? Because yeah, people there are other uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Like I found something a while ago about how the guy would map the bumpers to turn your character ninety degrees, you know, straight up. Mm-hmm. And so you could just quick turn very quickly, like quick double turns. tapping the button, which is something you can usually only do with the mouse. But the people playing like this would get better and better at it until it was indistinguishable from you know playing with the mouse. Yeah, because Snark and I we want to do a match in the because like I said, the old Battlefront games, the true Battlefront games mm-hmm. again re-released, right? Uh, next month in a few weeks actually yeah and we want to play together but they didn't say about cross platform so i'm hoping that like me with my switch and him with his ps4 ps5 we can play it but if not the only solution that i came was that he now for the first time in his 50 years life (laughs) that right i am going to have to create a steam account and then we can figure out how to Put like the, the PS4, PS5 controller for MTS. Yeah. <laughs> so you can actually play online together. And I think I want to uh, talk about actually like the input and stuff like this. This is one of the reasons why I got so found of the Switch. I didn't buy, buy it before because it was very expensive in Brazil. Even though now it has, right? Now we actually do have now intend to brazil to make things a little bit cheaper but i just found fascinating 
this council that Nintendo, after the failure that was the EU, they basically combined all that their history into just one thing. So then this, the Switch is both console, it's a handheld, it works like any joystick, but they also can use like a, as a Wii and stuff like this. I, I think it shows that Nintendo, yes, even though there is the whole prejudice against graphics and shit like that, like they still understand what video games are. Yeah, and Nintendo is the proof of what I was saying, that you don't need, you know, more than a PS2 or something to have modern games. Because yeah. their their hardware is just one generation after the PS2. The Switch is pretty much an Xbox 360 portable. And plays everything. Uh, you have Alan Wake there. You have Sifu. You have stuff like Astro Chain. Mario. So, <laughs> you know, if Nintendo can have a bunch of exclusive games there. And, you know, just... So we're clear there are, I don't know, nearly 100 exclusive, exclusive games on the Switch mm-hmm. versus, you know, less than 10 on the PS5. Yeah. Actually, I'm surprised that what we have for the online subscription, like the old games, SNES, 64, Game Boy, video games, I'm still surprised about that. There's so much stuff that they can put on that, you know, to make people buy more switches yeah but i think it's also because i've been hearing a lot about that they want to do the the switch too soon because switch has been for seven years now right like since ps4 if i remember correctly ps4 xbox and one came out so it's been a while that they, they haven't changed their, their generation you know there's the whole thing like when they're going to do the Pokemon subscription, you know, because they're not going to be done, they're going to make their own subscription just for old Pokemon game. They know, they know what they're doing. Well, we're uh, like reaching the end of our conversation, but uh, I have two questions still. I don't know how many you still have, Snark. Or- I have a couple. Have a couple. Okay, start with you because I need to go to, to the bathroom. <laughs> Very good. Okay, uh, you actually do design video games and stuff like that what are okay first off let's say what are your favorite types of video games to play just to play i would say survival horror games okay i love stuff like resident evil fatal frame silent well that's the first kind of stuff you were seeing so now i get it that's just kind of ingrained in you or whatever right okay yeah, I, I like the difficulty in those yep. games. You know, the overwhelming odds stacked against you and you find a way to get by. It's very satisfying. And first-person shooters, I would say, because, you know, I started pretty much my, my, my gaming life with Doom and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And during the 90s, I would just play a lot of Duke Nukem 3D, Shadow Warrior, and stuff like that. Let's go... Uh, just quick back to Resident Evil and stuff like that. Have you played, I'm assuming, the revamped versions and stuff like that, the, the way they've done it again? Does it... Do you like it? I, I'm sure it looks better and stuff like that, but is it as much fun as the uh, as when you played it for the first time kind of thing? Or you, you knew where the spooks and stuff were, so it wasn't that big a deal? So... 
we have the first Resident Evil remake, mm -hmm. which is it has almost double the content of the original game. The mansion has new areas, there are new enemies, so the gameplay changes a lot, and they play around with the scares. Like, do you remember the dogs sure. in the yeah. third room of the game? Mm -hmm. Yeah. When you play the remake and you get into that room, the window will just, you know, uh, kind of break. You can see uh, some pieces of glass flying, yeah. but the dogs don't come in until later. So they know you're expecting the dogs. And they're like, they're saying they know you're expecting the dogs. Are they doing the same thing like with the uh, diary and stuff? You're, you start, you keep picking up the diary or whatever, and that's how uh, you know either what's going on or how you save it. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, there, there's stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They move some things around, so some keys are on other places, or you need more keys to get to certain places. There are new areas, and the the first remake is very solid. It's one of the few games that I would say made the original uh, trivial you know they trivialized it because okay. you don't have much of a reason to play the original game now that there is a remake sadly that's not what happened with resident evil 2 remake and resident oh. evil 3. yeah because right. until they cut off a lot of content i'm not sure why costs i guess but there's stuff like for instance in resident evil 2 if you're playing, let's say, as Claire, you meet Leon a bunch of times during the game. Right. And on the remake, they meet at the beginning of the game and then at the end of the game. Hmm. Like, they yeah. don't even have the walkie-talkie to communicate. It's very weird. Where were... With all the... Like, they're doing a new... I think they're doing a new TV series for Resident Evil, all the movies and stuff like that. They keep pumping them out for the first one. My favorite Resident Evil is still Resident Evil 4. I still don't know if they're ever going to do like a... They should just do a movie for Resident Evil 4. It's fantastic. I love that one. The one where they go out of that town in Eastern Europe or whatever it is. And that weird guy and selling you all the uh, weapons underneath with his trench coat. Going, oh, thank you. Thank you. That guy's the best. Uh, uh, the second question I had is what kind of video games do you want to produce? Not like you are trying to produce and stuff but what are the types you want to produce like do you have a an idea in your head like don't give enough that someone's gonna go steal your ip or <laughs> but like uh like do you have do you have like a goal like a game that you want to do yeah i think that when you're working on making games or movies or books or whatever if you don't have something that you want to make that doesn't exist yeah then there is not much of a point to it like if i were a filmmaker i would want to make movies that don't exist mm -hmm. and i see people you know making movies that are like terminator 2 but worse and things like that <laughs> unless you're jj like... abrams that you just want to be george lucas about yeah <laughs> so yeah so uh, there are games that i want to play that don't exist and yeah. it's not that i want to make them but it, you know somebody has to make them so yes so you'd be more interested then in actually doing the coding for it, or would you want to be like the developer? Would you like to be the guy guiding it or the guy actually building it? I'm more of a designer. Yeah. I have always been. I can code barely, <laughs> poorly. 
but I get by, you know, I, get, I can get things working. Sure. And like I said, with art, I can make art. It looks awful, but you can understand that what's a character, what's a chest, and what's a wall, at least. <laughs> but the thing I, I enjoy the most in development is the game design aspect of it. Game design and level design. Yeah. I have a game that I want to make that is, you know, my current passion project, you could say. It's been going on for a while now, a couple of years at least, which is kind of like a Fatal Frame game, but instead of a camera, you have guns. Cool. Yeah. I think we talked, you talked to me about it. Yeah. So this, as a concept, when I say it's a Fatal Frame with guns, People immediately think it'll be either a very good game or a very bad game. Like there's no <laughs> ground there. But I think the design is solid. Uh, and from what I could prototype a while ago, it was fun to play. But it's something that would take a lot of money to produce. I couldn't just make the game entirely by myself. So it's... You know, I, I'm making it slowly over the years, but I don't have an idea when I when I'm going to be able to finish it. Uh, you're using Unreal, right? Five. Yeah. yeah. It's also like that's one of the things that is very difficult for like people that are starring and indies that they basically have to you know get those licenses from those engines and learn all the software, all the stuff, how to code. Yeah. And this is a whole other topic in itself, you know, about game engines and what to use, because people will tell you that you should use Unreal, you should use Game Maker, you should use Unity. Godot. Godot, yeah. And, like, it really depends on what you're doing and what you're used to. I hate using the Unity engine. It's 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 not you know that I don't like no I hate it it's awful every second of it's suffering for me <laughs> because the first 3D engine that I actually used was Unreal and it feels like somebody t took a look at Unreal and went okay let's do the complete opposite in Unity and stuff like let's say you have a bunch of objects in Unreal a couple mm -hmm. boxes or something like that so you select these boxes and you select the rotation mode mm -hmm. and you rotate these boxes they will rotate like this right because that's mm -hmm. what you expect you select i get a bunch of stuff right here i rotate it and it does this yeah you're rotating it's yeah, very in, in unity i was working on a project once and i tried doing this and once it started rotating every object was in its axis rotating kind of like this you know, uh -huh. one by one. Oh my uh, god! Like rotating in place instead of relative to the place. I was with the gizmo thing on, and I felt like I, you know, when you just want to pick up the computer and toss it <laughs> to the window. Yeah, but that—that's for me. You know, if you can use the Unity engine, there are lots of awesome games out there that use the Unity engine. People can use it. It's some more of a matter of personal preference. And, and there also was the whole debacle some months ago, actually, about Unity. But uh, we can get to that in another episode because yeah. I know it's a lot of stuff like the install fees and all 
some shit. Or it can be just like John Carmack and make a new engine every single game. Oh yeah, you can make your own engine and spend like 10 years building the engine that would be outdated when you're done. Exactly. That's always an option. Smart thinking. Yeah. These are the things that it missed. You know, because if you we talk about tell this narc like your freaking cough duty has Quake 2 code inside of it to this day. You know, I know they updated when they did the Modern Warfare Modern Warfare 2020. But mm-hmm. they still have it, like a lot of the engines that exist today comes from Quake. Yeah, actually- I remember the Call of Duty fan base finding out that you could add colors to the text by using like a circumflex and a number before mm-hmm. the text or something like that. And that's a functionality that's been implemented in the engine since Quake 3 Arena from yeah. 1999. And it was still like in the latest Call of Duty games. Yeah, Sword Engine comes from Golden Swords that also comes from Quake. Like a lot of things comes from a lot of things comes from Dune's Dark. That's the that's the, mm-hmm. the bottom line. That's why we're going to play. By the we'll way, see. We'll why see. I, I had to go to the bathroom, I found hmm. this. <gasps> the PSP. PS right. is it the Star Wars PSP? Yep. I knew it. It's Star's <laughs> PSP. I never had a PSP in my entire life. Like I said, I was a Nintendo guy. Like uh, my Game Boy is uh, one I was stolen, one I sold. The Game Killed was sold. Actually, Juliana knows what I sold too. It was from Age. Uh, and then I had a PS3. There's two in Brazil. Star has a PS3. I bought a, a Switch when I finally moved because I needed something to do. We bought a PC. <laughs> <laughs> and now a PSP. I need to figure out uh, how, how to turn this thing on. It hasn't been turned on in some time, so I can actually see how it was to have a PSP because he always told me that he loved this this and, and the Vita. Yeah, the know, PSP but... is an amazing little piece of hardware. And I'm kind of saddened by the fact that I have played most of the games that there are on the PSP. Yeah, there weren't many, right? No, th- there, there is a bunch of stuff, but... I played so much PSP that I've beaten like most of the games I wanted to play on it. And now there's nothing else to play on the PSP. Like I had a PSP and I was like, oh, I could play, you know, uh, Ghosts and Goblins again. Nice. <laughs> or I could play GTA uh, Vice City Stories again. Jenna mm-hmm. <laughs> Dark again. So I've beaten most of the games, if not all of the games that it has that I wanted to play. And that kind of sucks because, you know, yes. I, I exhausted the, the game's library of the PSP. Yeah, none of that I want to run much longer about. Why Sony, like, stopped, like, the whole handheld like, thing that they, they're doing? Like, what was, like, the main reason? Just real quick. Basically, the Vita was almost as expensive to develop for than uh, a table console. So, you know, if you're burning money to make a game for the Vita, you can, you know, burn a little more and make it for the Xbox or the PS3 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it just wasn't worth it. But the community picked it up. So there's a lot of shmups and 
Japanese games, visual novel, stuff like that. I'm not very much into it, but you know, if you like that kind of stuff, it's there. Okay. Nice, nice. All right, Juliano, we still can talk a lot about stuff. Do you have any more questions, Mark? No, that's it. I got them all in, I think, for now. All right, but we can, no, I can always call you to come back to the show, especially when we have some breaking video game news. Yeah, sure. you understand the shit better than, each, <laughs> than any of us. I'm so glad that finally in video, I broke the, the BR Doom world and the LGR <laughs> star. I, I call this star world, but she's my world for everything. So, and it was very fun. Like, the first guy that I can bring from Brazil that actually can speak English good. Like, although Berta could, but I don't know why I should. Way better. He can speak the way, way that he better. talks, like, he gets very grumpy with stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. And Snark, probably on Sunday, we're still going to figure out what time he's going to stream. He's going to play Doom 1993, so not Ooh. Return of 16. For the first time, what is what advice would give to this buffoon? Oh, I don't know. Don't uh, look up. I'm just saying, don't look up because it isn't letting me. I can go side to side a little bit, but I can't. Look yeah, up. yeah. Don't let you look up anyway. But uh, the advice I would give is to learn which weapons work better for which enemies, mm -hmm. and okay. which distance. Like, don't try shotgunning, you know, zombies from a mile away. No. I, I think that's where the Call of Duty uh, experience is going to help me out or whatever. I know which one's better at what. But I'll have to figure out what guns do which or whatever for sure when they come along. Unless it says like shotgun or uh, light machine gun or assault rifle, then I got to get, okay, now I know what to use. But if yeah, they're no, just no. called the Terminator 2000 or something, I was like, oh, I don't know what this thing does. <laughs> uh, it's not called the Terminator, it's called the BFG. Yeah, oh get used God. to, you know, energy weapons, rocket launchers, stuff you don't yeah. usually see in Call of Duty. Oh, boy. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. I'm ready. For we it. need to reprogram. Rep we need to redo your brain to, for you to see. Go out of this Call of Duty limbo that society has brought to you and see that FPS have been so much fun, such more and more fun than they are nowadays, you know? Sometimes we, we talk with like people that are uh, like younger than me in the channel and they don't know what Doom or Quake, not even Counter Strike is. <laughs> no, they just think that FPS is just like Battlefield or Halo. If if they're really into Halo, and uh, Call of Duty, but no, 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 my friend, the FPS genre is way more fun than just these things. Anyway. Julian Kings, thanks very much for being here, my friend. Thank thanks you, buddy. Me. Uh, we are gonna see you in a later episode. Uh, you're always welcome to to come back. We're probably gonna need you. And guys, tune in because Snark finally has a capture card for his PS4 slash five, and maybe this week. Why do you say slash five? I have a PS4 or a PlayStation 5. Now you have both, but you can play Dune. In this case, you can play on both. No, 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 no. You can't play on PS5. You can't play on PS5, right? Can't. Why not? Why not? I just, when we were playing around, I was on my PS5. Yeah, yeah. Is it on the PS5? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
Because they're I mean, all, they did the, the unit. There. Now this official part is the unit part. Is nine nine, two thousand nineteen. It hadn't come out yet. Anyway, regardless, we're gonna have a stream, and uh, so turning guys probably on Twitch, just on Twitch, and then probably send the video on YouTube later. It's gonna Maybe. be very fun and. Next month, Battlefront, we're going to figure out. Mature language. Can... Mature language, I'm sure. We'll I'm going to kick your ass on that. It's <laughs> pretty, pretty real. I play that game a lot. <laughs> All right. Snack, take us out. All right, everyone. Thanks for watching. We are back season three. Thanks again, Giuliano. And we will see you next week. Uh, probably talk about how much uh, better I am at Dune than these guys everywhere ever. So, okay. See you later. Yeah. <laughs>